Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, it was never lost on me that this is, you know, this is a, a special place. Um, you know, they have helmets on the double yellow lines, you know, when you're driving down the road. Um, you know, you pass the Hall of Fame every day, you go to school and high school, you know, you're playing right there and you can see it over the, the stands. Um, it's just, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a really cool place to grow up. Uh, it was a great place to be a young boy that loved football and, um, what a blessing that I have an opportunity to come back there and, and do it. You know, never would have dreamed that this would have happened. Dreams indeed do come true. Josh McDaniels back in Canton tonight for the Hall of Fame game. Game number one, sort of. It's not really a game that counts, but it's a game. Yeah, it's a game. It's a game. Yeah, He's yeah. back in Canton. Right. Where he grew up. Yeah. And surely at some point when he was growing up, he was thinking maybe one of these days when I'm old and gray and paunchy, I'll have a bronze bust in that Hall of Fame. And now he gets a shot. Didn't go well in Denver. One yeah. of the reasons was Chris was on the team. Right. But now he's <laughs> got a chance. One of now his first mistakes. <laughs> now he's got a chance <laughs> to start from scratch with a team that, on paper, yeah. a little bit better right. than the team that he had in Denver. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, first off, I, I, I'm a fan of Josh McDaniels. You know that. I mean, yeah, I, I played for him. I worked for him a little bit. And I'm just a believer in the man and what he brings to the table. There's a genuine love of the game of football from him. I think you could see that for sure, whether you like him or you don't. And then you can't really, you know, deny the results as far as his ability to get people open in the passing game. You know, his ability to make, you know, run game design. He's he's one of the best offensive minds we've seen in football over the last 20 years. To me, he's in the hierarchy of, you know, Shanahan, Sean Payton, McVay, you know, and Andy Reid and Josh McDaniels is the best offensive minds. He may made some mistakes in Denver. There's no doubt. And he'll tell you that. He really will. He's very aware of that. Uh, but I'm really happy to see him get his second chance. He is one of those guys that I think no question deserved the second chance. He was 32 years old when he got his first job with the Denver Broncos. He was young and he put too much on his plate trying to be the GM and the coach. And I think he'll make the proper adjustments. And I'd be shocked if it doesn't work 
a whole lot better this time around. I agree with you. Yeah. Too young, too much responsibility, too much stress, too much success too soon also. Sure. We were talking about that last I mean, night. 6-0 and right out of the gates right. creates expectations that then become impossible to live up to. The disastrous decision to draft Tim Tebow. Of course, he was gone. McDaniels was before Tebow even got a chance to do his thing. Yeah. And even though he led the team to the playoffs, he couldn't wait to get rid of him. They moved on to Peyton Manning. But Josh McDaniels getting chance number two after a second apprenticeship with Bill Belichick. Spent time with him before. Graduated to a head coaching job, went back, and had just been there. Had that Colts job if he wanted it, right. backed out. Yeah, that caused some to think he'd never get he's a, a shot weird guy again. Or like what's wrong with never, him? Like right. that's it. You've left the Colts at the altar. How dare you right. spurn one of the franchises? You're never going to get an opportunity. And maybe some owners would think that way. Mark Davis, not one to be inclined to go along with the herd, so he doesn't care about that. He wants the best guy right. for his team, and he goes out and gets Josh McDaniels and. It's good news for the Raiders. They stabilize after what was a very tumultuous 2021 season. Yeah. And they get started tonight against the Jacksonville Jaguars here in Canton. Yeah. We'll be there for the pregame show at 7 o'clock Eastern on NBC and Peacock. And, you know, it's funny. We're here in this library that looks like Larry David's office from Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I think Chris is going to take one of the book, books home with him and, and do a book report for me for next week. <laughs> but when I mentioned all week long, hey, we're in Canton for the rest of the week, yeah. this guy's quiet. And somebody had emailed me earlier in the week and said, I can't believe Sims is going to work five days right. this week. And at the time, that neuron flashed like he probably isn't going to. Yeah, but he didn't really digest but it. I didn't really digest yeah. it. And I was like, well, I'll wait for him to say something. Then I realized he's just not going to say anything. He's just not going to be here Friday, and it's for me to figure out. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you said it at the end of the show yesterday, and I didn't want to just like butt in and be like, I'm not going to be here Friday. So I just... Kind of let it flow, but I mean, I was going to tell you at some point or make it make no, sure. No, you weren't. So, no, you weren't. So, well, you're going to figure out, I figured. <laughs> I would have figured it out figure tomorrow. It out. Well, I think tomorrow will be great. They could put, like, a nice leather chair right here, and you should sit here and talk to the audience in front of the library with, like, cross leg and, like, a stogie. You need a pipe. Or a pipe, right. You, a pipe. you could do something like that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. That was not discussed. I was not aware of it. My flight's already made. Sorry, I won't be here. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. Not in my contract to be here on Friday yet. But I will say this. As far as it is cool to be here. I, yesterday was my first experience at the Hall of Fame. It was awesome. It really was. I, I was like blown away. I was really a little bit overwhelmed. It was like so many emotions of, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this guy, this guy. This, whoa, I played with this guy. Well, this is my dad's coach. He played with my dad. I mean, I really was like a kid in the candy store. It was really cool to be a part of. And I'm more of a believer in, hey, now yeah, they need to make this a big thing. They do. And I think, you know, you talked about the first preseason game. They need to find a way to make this a part of the three and still the first preseason game. So players like Trevor Lawrence and some of the big-time players are playing in the game to to, to give this, this whole weekend a little bit bigger match. Magnitude. But but even if yeah I know even if it's still yeah it's it's blink your eyes and they're out I know I know they're not playing very much in the preseason at all anymore yes. and you can't get a guarantee that you're going to have extended starters you're going to get lucky and you're going to pick a team to be here that's got a quarterback competition so that adds some intrigue I, to it. I understand they yep. try to pick the teams based on who's going in right. because then that becomes more of a draw for the fans of the team of the guys going sure. in, like Baselli's going in this year yeah so that's Cliff a draw Branch for the Jaguars going. right that's a, a draw for the Raiders yeah. But uh, I, I, it is and, hard. I get you. And and when the regular preseason begins next weekend, yeah, it all opens up. And I don't think they want to have that conflict with 
the rest of Hall of Fame I know, weekend I know. and the rest of the preseason all happening at the same time. They've always carved it out as its own thing. I hear you. I, think, I, think, I don't think that's going to end. I did hear you say something yesterday right, right. that made me look to Matt Casey and say pot kettle. You were talking about how big some of the heads were yes. of some of the guys. You're the last one to be talking about somebody <laughs> having a big head. <laughs> I know. I, I understand. I was like a little bit like, well, uh, Wow, did this guy, they have different designers for some of this guy? This guy's head's small. This guy's big. And I went, well, that's Orlando Pace. I guess that's why his head's big. That's Jonathan Ogden. And I started to put it together. But, yeah, that was kind of one of my dumb blonde moments, I guess, yesterday. Yeah? They were good. I would, you know what? They were amazing, though, how lifelike they are. Uh, it, was, it was really cool to be there. And, of course, be there with Tony Junji and, you know, Jason Garrett and, and hear some of the stories they told about some guys. Was, uh, it, it added to the intrigue of it all. And the game tonight, yeah. you already mentioned Trevor Lawrence isn't going to play. We're not going to see him. We're not going to see Trevor Etienne, yeah. who was lost for the year yeah. last year with a torn ACL. As Coach Dungey was saying last night, it's kind of like they have two first-round picks this year yeah. with Trayvon Walker and... TJ Etienne. And, and Travis Etienne. Yeah, t- or Trevor Etienne Tia. playing. Yeah, yeah. Etienne. Yeah. Uh, either way, yeah. regardless. But you got to keep these guys protected. We're not going to see them. What, what, what are you looking for tonight? Given the fact that, especially for the Jaguars, the guys that we'd be interested in seeing where they are right now in their careers aren't going to be playing. Well, I know they, they, I mean, they do have two first rounders that should be on the field tonight because they got the, the middle linebacker from Utah, remember Devin Lloyd, who they got. So there's really right. like three first rounders right. could have been on the field. But um, I guess the first thing is, I just, that, that's where I wish, you know, I, I'm looking for just to see the young guys. That's what I look at the preseason. I think you're the same way. Just get a look. Do they belong? What do they look like? Like, what, was it last year where we saw Michael Parsons in this game? Yes. We saw him from three plays and we went, whoa, he's good. He looks the part. They made the right pick at 11. There's just, hey, gather information that way. That's where I look at it. Um, but that's the weird thing about this game, and I feel like it's gone this way a little bit more the last few years, is where not even some of the top second stringers are playing in the game to a degree. It's really the bottom of the list type of guys, and that's where I hope they can change it. But, yeah, there's still going to be enough out here, especially from the Jaguars, who are very young and got a lot of new pieces that – I think we can check them out a little bit and go, okay, like he looks the part, he moves the part, let's see what he can do when it gets real. And I just think from the perspective of a Jaguars fan or just a fan of functional, basic, quality NFL football, yeah. it will be refreshing to see Doug Peterson on the sideline and not a guy who, even in the preseason, looked Disheveled. Out of sorts and disheveled. And why am I here? And what am I doing? And this is the great, I think, tangible, official way to just move on from the Urban Meyer disaster. And you get to do it in the first game of the season. And they come out, and it's a real team with a real coach. Sorry, Murrah. Who's won a Super Bowl. But but it was a disaster. Disaster. There's no question about it. It was a disaster that we all should have seen coming. And and now they yeah they have a Super Bowl winning coach and they can try to move forward. It's really not that long ago that they were not far away from a Super Bowl. It is amazing to think of how far oh my they fell. Right. It's amazing they got to where they were yeah. considering Blake Bortles was the quarterback. Right. But it's even more amazing that they bottomed out. Yeah. And just have been 
a morass and a mess. And now, and now they can turn it around. Now it's not going to be easy in the AFC, but they can still begin the process. Begin the process. Back. That, that's right. It, it's you know uh, we hear Coach Dungy talk about it all the time of like you know the culture building and starting there. And I think that's where they got to start back is just you know kind of wipe away to, to to your point some of the dysfunction and all the crazy stuff that went on there last year to kind of reprogram what was a young team to begin with and, and maybe even younger now to where, hey, you know, Trevor Lawrence, that what you were doing last year, that was not reality in the NFL. That's not how organizations are run or coached. So he's getting a feel for new life in the league, and I think they got a lot of guys like that. I'm excited to see what the Jaguars do. I mean, they killed it in free agency. I know some people didn't agree with some of their moves, but I, I, I thought it was pretty damn good. And then, you know, you add the draft on top of that and some young guys like you talked about with Travis Etienne from last year, and uh, there, there's a lot of things we don't know about them, but there is some potential there for them to be a pain in the butt, especially with better coaching now. They tried, I think, to spend their way out of dysfunction that it was just a way to, to, to really get distance from last year. The team wasn't good. They needed some better players. They went out and they spent. Big and time. We were talking about the Christian Kirk contract last night. Four years, 72 doesn't look so crazy anymore. Not it at all. It looked crazy at the time. Right. And then the market explodes for the veteran receivers on the other teams. It got traded or got new contracts after Christian Kirk gets four years, 72 million. It's really not as nuts as it seemed the mo- and you could argue that that was the moment that the floodgates opened for all these other guys because they're thinking if Christian Kirk is getting this, I, I want four years 75 or four years 80 or four years 100, whatever the case may be. I, I, I know. I, you're, you're right. I mean, he was, was he the first one out of the gate? Was he the first yeah. guy? He was, right? It was. It was I, you know, I think a lot of people were shocked. I think you, you know, the physical ability of Christian Kirk and the situation he was in you know, the physical ability deserves th- that kind of money. He's he's a really good player. He can do it all. I mean, he's got a little bit of the, you know, Mike, that rare, he's a that running back body that we talk about so much, that plays receiver. He can go right down the middle of the field and run by everybody for an 80-yard bomb that that uh, Trevor Lawrence throws him. But he's also, like, got that, that quickness and that ability to run routes, Mike, to where he can do some of that Julian Edelman, Wes Welker type stuff underneath. So I think that's where the love for, for him is there. And, uh, you know, I like that. I liked a lot of what they did in free agency. I mean, when you couple that with, hey, Zay Jones, who's a really reliable wide receiver, Evan Ingram, who is famous in New York for some drops, but if you really look at it, he's done some good things, and he's another guy that's got incredible talent. They made Brandon Scherf, one of the best guards in the game. And then on the defensive side of the ball, when you get into um, – Foye Aluakon from the Atlanta Falcons, who's one of the better middle linebackers in football, got a few defense alignment to, to add to it. I mean, they're, they're on the up and up, and at least they were aggressive this offseason, to your point, to kind of get them out of the hole and refresh the building and give it a new look and a new feel to where they can, you know, wipe away Urban Meyer and... You know, we're in Ohio. Who knows? He might have not gone back with the team if he was here coaching the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that Peterson will be on the plane. Yes, he will Canton. be, for sure. I have sure. a feeling that he, yes. he will be on right. this plane and all other planes. What about the Raiders? What, what are we expecting from them? We haven't heard. I know. And what, what a shock. Josh McDaniels doesn't yeah, tell the right. world what he plans to do tonight. I mean, he's been around Belichick all these years, but I don't expect to see Derek Carr. No way. Devontae Adams. I don't either. No, there's, there's no, no you know, th- those are, those are guys that, you know, I, you could make a case for the Trevor Lawrence's plan. Like, oh, maybe he needs to get used to his new offense or that. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. I mean, 
they're, they're so entrenched in the NFL world and they're so good at this point. They don't need to do that. They're, they're, they're experienced. I, so I don't expect to see any of those type of players playing for the Raiders. You know, the Raiders, to me, even though they won, you know, what was it, 10 games last year and got to the playoffs, it is a little bit different because of some of the things that went on there. And then Josh McDaniels, his philosophy is is much different than John Gruden's on both sides of the ball. So even though we all look at it and go, whoa, they were good last year in the playoffs, and now they McDaniels it should be a jump-off spot, I think still think they're going to be in the mix and in the playoff conversation. But I don't know if he's necessarily got all the pieces on his roster the way he would like them yet. So uh, that's where I, I hope people don't get too high of expectations for the Raiders out of the gate. But, yeah, I think you're just going to see young guys that are young guys and, you know, a few unproven veterans out there tonight, too, for the Raiders. It really is hard to set the expectations for the Raiders it is. this year. Last year, they went through all of that crap with John Gruden being forced out. And again, Henry he Ruggs deserved, stuff. But the way that it happened, it all could have been done before the season. They knew about those emails. It's just a weird vibe that's still lingering and litigation still lingering over that. But it was just kind of weird, and it threw the team off in October, and then the Henry Ruggs thing happens, and they still make it to the playoffs. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And they gave the Bengals a, a run time. for their money. I know. And they could have beaten them. And, and then they do the hard reset with – Rich Bisaccia out. Right. We thought he had maybe done maybe enough had a chance, to right. earn that job. Yep. And then Mike Mayock out, and they start over again. Rarely do you see a team that made it to the playoffs get rid of the coach and the GM and start over. So it's just hard. And then you throw them in the AFC West. I know. With the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos. Where do you I – don't, I don't know. And it, it obviously begins tonight, but it doesn't really begin tonight. It begins week one. The, the main goal is keep your key guys healthy. That's why I don't – think we're going to see Derek Carr, Devontae no Adams. Way. No, yeah. no matter how, no matter how tempted Josh McDaniels is to use his best players in his hometown, in, in his hometown, yeah, yeah. this isn't the time for it. No. This is not the time to do it. There's, there's no doubt. He's, he's too smart. He's been around too much, and he's, he's got an end goal in mind, and he, he knows what it takes to, to be a good football team. Uh, the Raiders, you're, you're right. They got a lot of veteran players to begin with. They didn't have you know, a ton of draft picks this year because of the Devontae Adams trade. So there's not that, you know, that element like the Jaguars had where, oh, we got to develop some young guys and get them going and get them used to the culture in the NFL. You know, Josh McDaniels, he's got a team that's, you know, kind of been there, done that, and he's just got to get them used to his way of life, his way of coaching, and program, reprogram them that way. And I'm sure that's what he's in the midst of doing, and Derek Carr's in the midst of being reprogrammed. Like, I can't imagine what Derek Carr's going through right now. He is in a totally, you know, such a robot, did a great job in Gruden's offense, and I think we've discussed, I mean, I think he's one of the better field generals in football right now at the line of scrimmage and what he does, but now he's going to have to blurt out a whole bunch of different words and sayings and and, and things that, you know, are not going to be natural to him right away either. So I I do, I'm I'm fascinated just tonight if I can see him in pregame or McDaniels in pregame. I would love to just ask Derek Carr, what's it been like learning this offense? You know, because it, it's just totally different. They use numbers for formations, and there's just a, it's a, it really can screw you up at first. And I'm sure he's kind of reprogramming some fuses and putting them together here and getting used to this. So you're saying there may have been moments like one that happened about 20 years ago with you and John Green? Yes, yes. Where he's trying to spit out the plot. I, I would, yes, no doubt. I mean, their their plays can be every bit as wordy, McDaniels, as John Gruden's wear to where, hey, Tom Brady's as smart as they come. You see, he used to wear that damn, 
that damn wristband too because Josh used to say I, the word the, the damn play's too long. I, I, I'm gonna we're gonna waste ten seconds on the play clock. Me talking to you, and you know, so we, let me just say a number, and then you can look at it, and then you can rattle it off. And it, there's so many different things that they have in the offense. You can't just go, hey, you know, Tom, it's play eleven, and he's just gonna know it right away. I mean, he knows it, but every week it's tweak, it's changed, and that's why New England's great because there's always little nuances according to who they're playing, and you know, that's where I, I, I can't wait to kind of hear Derek Carr elaborate on that a little bit. And it was a hell of an adjustment for Carr when Gruden became the coach four years ago. And this is a different adjustment, but he's already gone through yeah, the hard a part. dramatic change. Right. And now he knows, and and we've heard nothing but positives. And look, when everybody's 0-0, zero and zero, yeah. you hear nothing but positives. There's reason to be positive if you're a Raiders fan. There is reason to, to, to just be cautiously optimistic that things are on the right track, even if it doesn't happen right away. And I'm looking at their schedule. Yeah, We're going to find out pretty quickly whether this team is ready to compete. At the Chargers, week one. They have the Cardinals, week two. At the Titans, week Ooh. three. Broncos, and then at the oh Chiefs, and then they get a week six yeah. bye. So that's pretty tough. That, that, you know, two and three, three and two, anything better than two and three is a win for a team that's still yeah. trying to kind of get its footing with a new regime. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You're right. I mean, it's, you know, just like we talked about McDaniels and he's got a vision on his offense that's a little different than John Gruden's. Same thing for the defensive side of the ball. You know, they, they were a 4-3 Seattle scheme for team for the last few years. Now they're going into Patrick Graham, New Englandish type of way, a lot more 3-4 principles. So that's what I mean when, you know, I don't know if the players necessarily match their schemes all the way across the board yet. But the one thing we can say about the Raiders and what John Gruden instilled in them, and I think you'll agree with me, is they, they were tough. They were tough. They showed some grit last year and how they handled the situation. They showed some grit through the, the John Gruden era. And, yeah, I mean, it was – you know, the more I think and just look back at it and I look at their schedule from last year, you just – I mean, they went through a period there where they lost five out of six games, you know, towards the end of the year and then gutted out ugly wins against the Browns, the Broncos, went to the Colts – and upset them in Indianapolis and then beat the Chargers in that game. And you're going, oh, my gosh, I didn't really feel like they were a playoff team, but they got in the playoffs. And, you know, that maybe makes expectations a little higher for, for Josh McDaniels uh, as far as the fan base. And what we've really got tonight, two teams that went through a lot of crap last year. Yeah, they did. Now, different levels of expectation, different stratospheres altogether for where they fit yeah. in the AFC. But teams that went through really bad years unrelated to what happened on the field. Although for the Jaguars, what was worse? it spilled over. Yeah, what do you think was the worst year? The Jags or – it's a tough uh, one. Now, well, I mean – They're different things, I know. It's different, and, and for the Jaguars, it's just the latest example of a bad year. It's just a different way. Right. I'd say the Raiders. Just It was so stunning the way it happened to have your coach gone like that. And then the rug situation and all the mixed emotions that had to create and 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 that happens and I, I I think it was worse for the Raiders. You do, but obviously for the Jaguars, yeah, it wasn't much better, ideal. right? But but self inflicted wound for the Jaguars because they never should have hired Urban Meyer. Shad Khan decided he had to have Urban Meyer, and there was a reason why there was no other team that was trying to hire Urban Meyer last year or ever before, and dare I say, 
ever again yeah. moving forward. It'll be scary. He's definitely going to hurt all future college coaches. They're, they're going to you know, get an extra scrutinized when you know, they're thinking about making that college move to the NFL because it's, it is a different world. It's just a different world like we talked about last year with Urban Meyer. I mean, he thought it was, you know, hey, I walked around. I said hi to everybody. I, you know, MF the coaches, and it's time Kick to go kicker. home. It's time Kick to go home kicker. now, right? Hey, hey, somebody else, you know, get everything ready. Yeah, okay, it's when you're at Ohio State and everybody's drooling and wants to come to your school and it's a machine, that's great. But in the NFL, hands down, the hardest workers in the organization – and if they're not, then you, there's a problem on your team is the head coach. It's not like college where they go, oh, I'm a head coach now. I don't have to work as hard. Oh, gosh. That, because that's really what it is a lot of times. I know they work hard. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I know that. But th- I've had a lot of college coaches that, that tell me that before. I'm working hard so I can get one of them jobs so I don't have to work so hard. And then they were always talking about head coaching jobs because now they can delegate. And the NFL, it's not that way. McDaniels is – the hardest worker in the Raiders organization. Doug Peterson's the hardest worker for the Jaguars. Belichick, McVay, Shanahan, they're psychos. And that that is what filters through the football team and creates some of the culture because now the coaches are like, oh, I got to keep up with the head coach. And now, you know, the players see the coaches and I don't want to let him down. He works so hard. I don't want him to be pissed at me when I mess up. And that's part of, you know, being a great coach and, and, and definitely the difference between the NFL and college, in my opinion. And it just is amazing to put one last point on this, that Meyer acted like he knew what he was getting himself into. Yeah, I know. But he thought he could just bring, I thought he knew. I he know. thought he could just <laughs> – Bring his college style to the NFL, and it would work. Right. And obviously, it failed miserably. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. All right, up the road from Canton in Cleveland. More developments with the Deshaun Watson situation. It's been a week that really wasn't all that stunning in hindsight because we knew all along that the first step would be the decision from Judge Sue L. Robinson, and then either side would have the opportunity to appeal. On Sunday night, the union said, we're fine, we won't appeal, because they knew they were going to like the decision and they wanted the NFL to buy into the decision. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Yesterday, the NFL exercised its prerogative to appeal to the NFL the decision made by Sue L. Robinson. The union has until Friday to file a written response. As I interpret the CBA and the personal conduct policy, and I was talking to someone about this last night, there's no hearing this time around. It's all on paper. Mm -hmm. The commissioner has yet to say who will handle the appeal. It's the commissioner or his designee. There's no deadline other than the process must be expedited, which means they expect something fairly quickly, and off we go, and we'll find out who's going to make the decision. And It will be a surprise if the person who is designated to make the decision does anything other than what the commissioner would do himself. This is a situation where you're going to pick someone who's going to do what you would have done, but this gives you distance from it so you're not the one. And I still don't rule out the possibility that he's going to say – I'm doing I, it. I think this is one he is. I'm with you there. I, I think it's too big of a case to where, I, I, to me, you'd be caused more problems. You, you, this is why you're the commissioner. This is why you're making $54 million a year. 65. Sorry, get it right. Whatever. Get your facts straight. A lot of damn money. That's what I know. And, and that's where I'd like to 
Yeah, I, I think this is one where I, I, I would be more surprised if he wasn't the one that was dealing with this head on. You know, like, like you've talked about so much, and it's such a big issue in the NFL, such a hot button topic right now. And people are just, I, you know, again, and, and, and rightly so, I'm not trying to blame it. It just, I, people don't understand the bylaws of the NFL and the program. And there's just so many people confused with, wait, why was Rod Robinson said six games? And, you know, people don't realize, like you've tried to explain, that that means nothing. It's just part of the process. That's what she recommends, but she's not running the NFL. She's just part of the investigation, and I think a lot of people were misled by some of these things between the NFL and the CBA and not really knowing the, the real details of how this goes down. Well, they were misled because they're listening to the wrong people. Yeah. And no, I mean, Frank, no I mean, so, I'm sorry to, to be that way, but if you're watching any show other than this one, you're not going to know what the hell's going on because nobody else knew what the hell was going on. We've been explaining from day one how this works. Yeah, I Even saw though a lot they of... involve an independent person – you still have the NFL with final say over the process. So it doesn't matter what you do down here I know. if the NFL has final say. Right. The most important thing that Judge Robinson did was find, as a matter of fact, that Deshaun Watson engaged in, as she called it, nonviolent sexual assault with four different accusers, three violations of the personal conduct policy. That is the only thing that the commissioner can't touch right. or the designee can't touch on appeal. You have to take the findings of fact that were made by Judge Robinson. Everything else can be disregarded. And it dawned on me last night because I was talking to somebody about how this is going to play out. I think, because we don't know how Judge Robinson got to six games. Yeah. I think, I think she deliberately picked six because, on one hand, the union's going to be happy with her. Yeah. On the other hand, the NFL is going to be happy with her because she gave the NFL the roadmap right. to do whatever they want. Right. And the way that the rules are written, either side, anytime they want, can, can say, you're out. We're going to hire a new disciplinary officer. Yeah. And she wants to keep that job. Somebody suggested to me earlier this week, well, if the commissioner overturns her decision, maybe she'll quit. She won't quit. Judges have their decisions overturned all the time. I, she knew what she got into. Yes, right. This is a great gig. People want this job. It is good pay. They right. don't advertise that. It is very good pay. It is very good for your other practice. You hold yourself out to potential clients. As is in. People I get work for the NFL. People get impressed by that. Exactly right. That's she why every doctor in every city wants to be the doctor for the NFL team. Regardless of the level of skill, right. if you can finesse the thing where you're the doctor and right. there have been issues in the past where there's a huge advertising deal between the team and the practice right. it doesn't matter how good the doctors are yeah. but they're 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 paying for the signage at the stadium yep. so they get the gig and everybody wants to go to them now mm -hmm. so she's had free advertising for weeks for her practice she's got the constant connection to the nfl and this is a way for her to to find that middle ground where the union's happy with me because I listened to their arguments, and I right. said six games, and the NFL is happy with me because I've handed them the keys yeah. to suspend this guy for a full year. And that's what the NFL reportedly wants. I've seen several people report that the NFL wants either an indefinite suspension of at least a year or, if it's less than a year, a major fine. And that's what gets into my thought that they could take $10 million, the $10 million he made last year yeah. when he wasn't playing right. because of these off-field issues, not because he didn't want to play. He would have been playing for the Dolphins, but for these off-field issues. And so it's, it's an either-or that they want. And basically, they've asked for everything they could because now on appeal, whoever decides this can really do anything that he or she wants to do. Yeah. You make an ask all the way up to here, right. so anything under that, you can be as creative as you want, you can do whatever you want, and I think that's what's going to happen. And I still don't know why we wouldn't think it would be anything other than a year. That's what the NFL wanted when the process began. 
why do we think they've changed their mind? They've done nothing, nothing to make me think they've changed their mind. I, I'm with you there, too. I, I, I just, you know, I, I think there's the factors that are playing out in this country, the topic itself, you know, superstar quarterback a year is what I'm expecting. 12 games and a big chunk of money is probably the second thing I think of. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you in the fact that I just have a hard time. First off, yeah, the NFL wants to make a statement. Whatever you think about Deshaun Watson, it, it's weird and it's a little disturbing no matter what. I don't, I don't care what you say. You're on social media. You're trying to find people. It's constant. It's all the time, blah, blah, blah. That's weird. All right. It's not a good look for the NFL. He's obviously made some women feel very, very uncomfortable. And then, as we've discussed, got the greatest contract in the history of football. And I got to think that's like, you know, the NFL doesn't want to let that go either. To me, that's probably part of the, you know, probably the monetary fine. Like, you don't get to do this and get a great contract and then get no, no, you know, penalty off of that either. I would think they'd want to make a a mark or an example of that that part of it as well the two things that really stood out to me from judge robinson's decision one and and this hadn't really crystallized for me until i saw it in writing the idea that he was using his status as an nfl quarterback yeah to set up these massages because the average person just like with the doctor the lawyer, you're connected to the NFL in some way. I get connected. I'm, I'm I can say, Deshaun Watson. I can say I've provided right. massages to Deshaun Watson when right. I'm trying to get other people to come use my services. 100%. You're not going to say no to that. Yeah. You're going to be starstruck, and you also see a path to that helping your business. So he's using that he's a quarterback in the NFL for the Houston Texans to make it easier to set these up and the idea that he didn't tell the truth i'm telling you yeah that's the biggest thing right mike hammered for that that i agree you do not lie to roger goodell you do not lie to his investigators and judge robinson found in the most polite tactful terms possible yeah. that this guy lied yeah and he's still doing it i saw a report yesterday i think it was shefty was on espn saying he still continues to maintain that he did. that's the problem and the brown said earlier this week he's expressed remorse how do you reconcile the expression of remorse with the notion that he continues to insist he did nothing wrong. Yeah. And then Judge Robinson says he's expressed no remorse. No, because he won't back off of his, his I didn't do it. Right. It wasn't me. Right. He's just sticking with that. He is. It's, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. That's that. And, and all the other evidence is backfilling with the truth that right. Judge Robinson found. And, hey, you can disagree with her, but – See, this is the problem. We respect her decision. We like her decision. Right. Well, the facts really aren't all that great. Yeah. That, that's why I think she, she was brilliant in finding a middle ground where the union embraced her ruling because they liked the number, but everything else leans toward the NFL. Yeah. Well, mon- or this came out Tuesday, right? Was it Monday, Tuesday, Monday? Monday? Uh, I, th- I think that was you know, the, the first reaction we both had maybe when we talked about it on Tuesday – a little bit more was the 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 lying was the thing that I I know when I first went through it and read it the first thing I said to my wife was I think the fact that he lied and they just caught him red-handed is going to be his biggest issue 
I mean, there, there's, there's, he lied. There's no doubt about it. They have the evidence through the text and everything else that way, and he wouldn't give any ground at all. And I can't remember. There was a case, you know, a, a, a case in the past where I feel like a player lied in the NFL, and they made a point of it. And I'm, Mike I'm, Vick lied to the commissioner's face. Well, maybe that's, face. that's maybe what I'm thinking about. And I feel like there was one other one, and I feel like Goodell made a comment once. Like, if Tom you lie, Brady. Tom Brady. You're going to get it worse. Tom Brady well, lost his cell phone. Yes, Destroyed right. his cell phone. Right. So I, I don't think that helps. And then, of course, it just hurts your credibility in the court of law anyways when there is text messages and a paper trail that you know erections happen sorry at the end of a massage or, or during the massage and they have texts and i'm not trying to be funny or a jerk i'm no, sorry no no, yeah. no no i didn't expect I know. that just, i mean i did well, just kind of came when, out of the when they know that and then you're just going no that never happened that never happened you, it, well wait, they know it you you now i don't believe you on anything you say after that so that's where you lose it, and then adding all the other stuff that you're talking about, that's where I think the NFL, yes, is going to lay down the hammer. Think, think of it this way. Yeah. People all the time do things they shouldn't have done. Sure. And at some point they recognize, I did something I shouldn't right, have done. Right, right. Many of those. And when it's time to take your reckoning, what's, what's better? To admit that this happened, and I want to move past this, and I want to be a better person. Right. I want Growth. to learn from my mistake. Or say, I didn't do it. Right. Sorry, I didn't do it. Right. I have no regrets. I have no remorse because I didn't do it. Yeah. Well, here's the evidence. I didn't do it. Look, here's everything that we've compiled. Right. It's very persuasive. It's credible. There are corroborating text messages. We have the goods that you did it. I didn't do it. How are you going to have any sympathy for the, for the person who consistently refuses to admit that they've done it when you've given them every opportunity to know that the time for the reckoning has happened? Well, now, yeah. he's, he's gotten his reckoning in the civil cases, yeah. but it, it just th- that is going to hurt him with well, whoever handles this appeal. Right, and Judge Robinson said, right, he, he lacked remorse. I mean, I, I think that right there, I mean, that doesn't really, you know, again, like you're saying, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life. At some point, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and go, wait, all these bad things that are happening to me, or the issues I'm having, wait, you know, I got to stop blaming other. It's me. I'm the problem. I was the jerk. I was the asshole, whatever. And then you, you got to do that. That's, it is how you grow as a person. And you're right. You know, this is, uh, he just seem, seems to be, you know, hell bent. And hey, that's part of probably what makes him a really good quarterback, too, is the fact that he can just constantly stick to his guns. Treat every play like the last play it, of the it, Super Bowl. Well, yeah, a little bit. And, but but uh, it's not a good look for this. And, and, and also, Mike, with the money and all that, do you think the NFL would try to make like an example here, too, of like, hey, teams, Stop trying to think you're going to skirt the rules here with contract and, and putting the money this way to where we can't take it away. They're making an example of that to a degree. I think the bigger issue is the contract itself. Right. The $230 million fully guaranteed. The fact that the Browns crossed a bridge that had never before been crossed by any NFL team when it comes to a structure of a long-term deal. I think that had a lot to do with yeah. it. But that's part of the message that gets sent. They take some of that money away. I mean, the guy got a major contract. Just two years ago, Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Remember they had the great press conference. Bill O'Brien was still the coach of the Texans. They had high school coach and family members on Zoom, and it was a very emotional moment. That was just two – wasn't even two years ago. He got the big contract, got paid $10 million last year to not play, and then gets another contract when he gets traded. Russell Wilson gets traded. He doesn't get a new contract. He's making $35 million a year. He doesn't get a new contract. Here comes Deshaun Watson. He gets traded under this cloud, and he leverages his position to get a new contract. I, you, you put all this stuff in a bucket, and you stir it up, and it, it just points to a major punishment, a major message to Watson, 
to the teams, to the fans, yeah. to the media, that I'm sorry, we're not going to allow someone who has engaged in widespread rampant wrongdoing to refuse consistently to admit that he did it, even when testifying in the disciplinary hearing aimed at getting to the bottom of this, has done nothing but profit financially from it, was able to pick his next destination. Sorry, yeah. we're chopping that tree down in one fell right. swoop. So all the more reason to think that it's going to be a, a significant punishment for Deshaun I'm Watson when it's all so, said and done. So let me ask you this after that. One of the things on social media so much yesterday that you know was the, the hot-button topic was, well, it sounds you know, the NFL is appealing. Now he's, Mike gets suspended the whole year. Deshaun Watson is going to appeal, and there's a good chance you see him week one, right? That was I saw so many tweets about that. You know, Brady did it, Ezekiel Elliott did it, court injunction, blah blah blah. I know this is not the same circumstances, so explain to me a little bit and everybody kind of how this goes down. Well, it's different in a lot yeah. of ways. And we, first thing we have to remember when someone files a lawsuit and tries to get, for example, in this case, a suspension delayed X number of weeks. Yeah. You're trying to win before the case is even resolved. You're trying to get something that changes the status quo before a judge has decided that you're even right. right. That's extraordinary. You have to show several things, one of which is you're likely to win when the case is all said and done. Yeah. And I don't think he's likely to win when it's all said and done because of the precedent that was created ultimately by Tom Brady and Ezekiel Elliott. Look, this is very so I'm going to try to keep this as simple as I can yeah. because I think what's going to happen here is we've heard enough from the union that they're going to sue. Right. That the instant Roger Goodell or whoever handles this appeal issues their final ruling, the NFL will file its own lawsuit in federal court in New York seeking a declaratory judgment that this is a proper exercise of the powers of the NFL. Right. Because we have reason to believe there's a controversy. There's been media reports. They've done it before. We're taking the initiative to defend the accuracy and legitimacy of this decision. Right. Because if they get into federal court in New York, they fall under the umbrella that Tom Brady created, his case created, that basically says, we're not getting in the middle of this. Right. You guys have negotiated a procedure. There's, a deal in there's place no already. reason right. to suspect that there's been some gross deviation. And because of Judge Robinson's decision... They don't need to grossly deviate from the process. They just need to follow it. Right. We accept her facts. We're not allowed to introduce any new facts. Right. We're not going to. We'll take these facts, and then we'll change her decision to whatever we want it to be. Her reasoning in reaching six games is not binding in any way on yeah, them, directly I know. That's or where indirectly. People are confused. She, they can say, we just ignore it. Right. We disagree. Right. We disagree that there's a difference between nonviolent sexual assault and sexual assault because she relied upon that. To us, sexual assault is sexual assault. Right. We are going to suspend him far more than six games because we think that it's just as bad if there's violence involved than if it isn't involved. And in this case, because of the number of cases, even though we're not allowed to mention 24, you know, in the confines yeah. of litigation. Right. Still, we they know there's we more. Know, right. No. Right. So right. they're going to be able to do whatever they want. And here's so, the other point. Yeah, here's right. the other point, right. too. Even, even if it was an effort by the union to challenge the entirety of the suspension. Yeah. It would be difficult to get him on the field week one, but they're not challenging the first six games. Right. That's what I wanted to ask you. So that's, that's, that to me is the, 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 the big thing there is that if you're not challenging the six games, how can you now get 
more yeah. games added to it. No, it's a week and seven. Wait, we we want to no. go back and challenge the first six games yeah. now. We like to be in no, the no, no. right? Unless they appeal right. today, and they've already said they're not going to appeal her yeah. decision. They have yeah. no reason to appeal mm-hmm. it. Now, maybe they'll realize, hey, we should do our own appeal because then we could try to get them on the field for week one. But I don't think they're going to – that, that's too fancy, too complicated. It's not worth their time. This is not about week one. This is about week seven. And it, ge- it actually gives the judge – if there is a lawsuit, time to, to make a decision right. before week seven. Right. There may not even be a need for what they call a preliminary injunction where he's allowed to keep yeah. playing while the case goes forward. So that's why this one's different. I think that we won't see him the first six weeks of the season no matter what. The question is what happens after week seven. And it would be a very aggressive move for Watson or the union to even try to get him on the field week one when they've conceded that the six-game suspension is valid. This is about whether and to what extent it's going to be longer right. than six games. So those other cases, yeah. even though there was preliminary success for Brady and Elliott and they ultimately lost, I, I, I see them as completely different. And, you know, again, I mean, folks can either watch us and hear what's really going on or they can get misinformation elsewhere. I, I feel like an ass saying that. Yeah. But I, because the problem is then we got to deal with the misinformation. Well, we usually have to clarify it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, right. Or, or people call us an idiot first, and they're like, hey, you're wrong. You aren't saying this. You're right. I, no, I understand it. it. I, I get, I've, been, I've been asked questions the last day that yeah. I've been answering for four weeks. Right, right. You know? Right. And uh, so that's where we stand. Yeah, yeah. That's where I, well, more than that, and then you add on the Sean Payton, Tom Brady thing. Oh, I've been going, well, we've been talking about this for 10 weeks, and uh, now now we got to talk about it again. Well, let's talk <laughs> about that a little bit more when we return. Yeah. There's fallout from the discipline of the Dolphins for tampering and how it's impacting current players and what some of the folks out there are saying about this. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 